at the end of the day, if you have a bucket, right, full of water, you can either fill it up with one big thing or you can fill it up with like a million little drops. But at the end of the day, the bucket is full. Welcome to Gleanings, where we explore holistic approaches to reaching your true potential, mind, body, and soul. Today, I would love to welcome Nazi Spurrier to the Gleanings podcast. Hi, how are you? Great. And how are you today? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. Do you want to tell us what your niche is and how you got drawn to it? Sure. So I am a licensed psychotherapist and I am also an empowerment coach and a multi-six-figure manifestation coach. So um, I started out as a therapist. I've always wanted to be a psychotherapist, um, probably since like middle school, <laughs> which is kind of weird, but um, it's something I've always known I wanted to do. And, and you know, mm-hmm. so I've been a part of the therapy world for least almost 14 years, I think at this point. Um, And, you know, the pandemic really changed a lot for us therapists. You know, a lot of my work was in person. That was all I had ever done. Um, And switching over to telehealth because of the pandemic really opened my world up to the idea of online coaching. And so I added coaching to my services and that's really blown up and kind of taken the forefront at this point. Um, And I just, you know, I love bringing my knowledge as a psychotherapist, like the, the work that I know how to do and do well to people who maybe don't even think they need it. Right. Because not everybody has a mental health issue. Not everybody needs therapy, but the techniques and the things that we use in therapy are beneficial for everybody. So it just kind of gives me like a more global scale to be able to offer some of these um, different things to people. Well, that's a nice blend. Cause I know sometimes with coaching, you have to kind of keep that nice balance between providing all the support they're needing, but then not crossing the line into something that you're not licensed for. Exactly. Exactly. And that gets really tricky. You know, I think that that's been a, you know, in the coaching world, like there's been a lot of controversy about that. And a lot of people who are talking about like, you know, are you trauma informed? Are you this? Are you that? And, you know, I think that there's room for everything. Like, I think there are some people who don't need a trauma informed coach, you know, and I think that that's fine. Um, But I do think that there is that, that piece of, like you said, kind of like, knowing your limits and knowing where it's like, okay, this is beyond my capacity or what I'm able to handle. And then being able to refer to somebody who does, you know, have that expertise. Are there certain techniques or areas that you focus on or even some that like we were just discussing perhaps avoid? Um, I mean, I don't think that there's anything I particularly avoid. I think that it is one of those things where I obviously, given my experience, I have a good gauge of if somebody's an appropriate fit or not, right? You know, if, if there's something where I'm feeling like they need more than I can give them in the capacity of like the way I hold my containers or the way that, you know, I'm able to show up for them online, if they're like in another country and I feel like they need a lot of support working with me is probably not the best option, right? Like I would be wanting to find them a provider that's more local that would be able to give them more services than I can give them. Um, But, you know, that's usually like a case by case basis on on what I don't work with. Um, As far as the things that I do, you know, I do parts work with everybody. Um, Internal family systems is a form of 
um, it's a therapeutic approach, but it's just, I feel like a life approach too. And so um, the parts work has been really, really powerful for all of my clients, no matter what they're coming to me with, whether we're talking about their business, whether we're talking about past trauma, um, whether it's about wanting to, you know, strengthen their relationships, it all comes back down to the parts of us and what they need and what they're not getting. Are you familiar with the um, Over It and On With It podcast by Christine Hassler? I'm not. <laughs> oh, because she's the one that I was listening to and um, she definitely talks about IFS and it's just yeah. so intriguing and in talking about um, inner child work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, for me personally, you know, when I first started learning about IFS probably like four or five years ago, and I was using it as a therapist, um, you know, it was, it was basically, you know, not invented, but discovered by Dick Schwartz, who is a psychotherapist right. and very famous psychotherapist. And so, you know, I trained with him and some with other people and, you know, it's that thing of, oh my God, this just makes sense. You know, it's like that moment right. of like, you hear it and you're like understanding it and you're like, wow, like I already think this way. I just didn't realize I think this mm -hmm. way and like putting a name to it and being able to like label these different parts of ourselves. It's just so eye-opening. And it's really the one thing that I've found that across the board, almost like 99% of my clients can use it and see really long lasting results, right? This isn't like putting a bandaid on something. This isn't like saying an affirmation and feeling better for five minutes and then feeling terrible again. This is like really doing the real work to approach the parts of us that, that are lacking and that need something from us and being able to listen to them and, and you know, unburden them and let them heal. It was interesting. I had somebody respond to me about um, comments about thought work and how mm -hmm. they're like, oh, that is just, you know, hogwash and that's just stuff that you're making up and that doesn't actually help my anxiety. And do you have people that are resistant to things that you try, especially if you're talking about like the somatic right. healing? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Always, right? And I mean, there's always that. And I, and you know, I'll be honest, I don't like to use the word resistance. I always use the word protection because uh, that's what it really is. Okay. So it's really this, this is a part, right? When we're going back to the parts work, this is a part of us that is protecting. There's a part that is worried that whatever this thing is, or maybe who you are or what you're talking about, isn't going to be safe for us as a whole, right? As the whole system. And so what it really is about is befriending that protector and kind of getting to understand like, okay, what are you afraid of? What are you worried is going to happen? And being able to ease that and bring some comfort there so that protector can take a step to the side and then we can move in and really, you know, do some of these techniques and at least give them a try. Because I mean, everything's not going to work for everybody. Like, you know, there's no one size fits all, especially when it comes to different techniques, whether it's somatic techniques, like, you know, there's, um, there's tapping, there's so many different things, there's movement, there's, um, there's so many different ways that we can do things and not everyone's going to feel comfortable with everything. But that closed offness, like when it's like, I'm not even willing to try, that's usually a protector that's coming forward and thinking like, this is, this doesn't feel safe enough yet. I like that approach, the protector, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, so what would you consider to be a successful session for a client and how do you kind of work around that protector part? Yeah. So, I mean, I think all 
sessions are successful, honestly, whether you walk away from them feeling like they are or not, <laughs> like there's always something, whether it's a, a seed being planted that's going to, you know, come to fruition later or a shift that happens in the moment, like it's all about compounding, right? It's like that compounding effect and like the consistency of, of, of doing the work and showing up. And sometimes it's going to feel really light and fluffy and other times it's going to feel really deep, but like all of those things are important. Like they're all needed. Um, but you know, when it comes to that befriending of the protector, it really is that idea of showing that like, I'm a safe person. I'm not a threat. I'm not here to combat you. Like I want to hear you out because most of the time the protectors are really, you know, especially like, you know, when we, and I used to use the word resistance all the time, you know, it is that thing, but that has such a like aggressive connotation to it. Right. And it feels like, okay, now we're battling, like we're in a power struggle here. And that's not what it's about. It's, I recognize like, this is uncomfortable for you. Help me understand. Is there something I could do to make this feel more comfortable? Help me understand what you need from me. Help me understand what you're afraid of. And most of the time, it's really just being able to express that. And once that's been expressed, it's like, oh, now I'm not so scared anymore. Maybe this would be okay. It's interesting because it definitely is a transition that you go through. I know when I first had gone to therapy ever, um, I felt like I was being open and working on different things. And then it was interesting, you know, two years later, she's like, you really took a long time to open up. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then it was, um, but then it is, it's a transformation because then like yesterday I was doing a subconscious release technique with a lady and um, she was like, man, you just jumped right in there and you were just open and you were telling me what was going on and what had happened in the past. And I was like, yeah, because now I realize like putting up that barrier, it just takes so much longer. Um, right. You know, and then I had worked with the protector part of me. So right. able to then feel less threatened. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, a lot of times when people are coming to us with their guard up or, you know, even if it's not like aggressive or resistant, but you can tell that they're not fully like letting themselves go sometimes they've never been in a situation where they've ever felt safe enough to do that. Right. Like this might be the first relationship or container that they've ever been in where there's even the possibility that that protector could take a step to the side and could take a little break and so we want to like acknowledge that and and pay attention to it because a lot of times what happens is people get pushed you know they'll start pushing them and it's like oh well, i need to trigger you i need to push you and it's like that's just going to make the protector get even stronger like right. you know what i mean it's like mm -hmm. it's not a power struggle here like we're not trying to battle we're trying to like have compassion and understand and once we do that you'll see that that wall sort of starts to come down yeah because they may also even feel kind of threatened and be feeling like um can I even trust this person? Are they going to exactly. manipulate something as I've been manipulated in the past? Like, why are they even asking me these questions? This has nothing right. to do with what I even came here for. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If a protector is popping up, it's because, you know, something that's going on in the situation is reminding them of something that happened in the past, right? Like our protectors are formed because of our past. So there's always something that happened before that makes them feel like, well, we can't let that happen again. Cause they're always protecting 
you know, another part, which is usually like a wounded child part or, you know, a, a part that's maybe been traumatized or something has happened to them. Um, and when I say traumatized, it doesn't have to be a huge big T trauma. It could even be like the last time I, I had a deep conversation with someone, my feelings got hurt. I don't want that to happen again. So now here's the protector coming forward. So it doesn't always have to be something I think when we when we say trauma, a lot of people are like, I don't have trauma. And it's like, we all right. do, you know, it's different <laughs> levels for sure, you know, but we all have, like, nobody had a perfect childhood. Like, it's just not possible, you know? <laughs> and I think sometimes people don't realize that if something's not, say, you know, World War II level, that yeah. even though you've experienced something more, quote unquote, mild, but it's an ongoing basis that that is trauma as well. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I explain this to clients a lot because they do want to downgrade. Um, I call it like the little T traumas, right? So the big T traumas right. are like the big, huge events and then the little T are these micro traumas. But at the end of the day, if you have a bucket, right, full of water, you can either fill it up with one big thing or you can fill it up with like a million little drops. But at the end of the day, the bucket is full. And so it's equal. It's still, you know, it's, there's, there's no, like, we can't judge one trauma is being bigger than the other. I really like that analogy. Yeah. So besides IFS, do you have another favorite technique? Um, I do a lot of breath work and deep breathing in my practice, um, a lot of movement um, type techniques. So um, I utilize tapping a little bit, not as much as I used to, um, not because I don't think it works. It's just hasn't sort of been on the forefront lately. Um, but, you know, I think breath is always something that we can come to. Um, it's available, available to us at all times. It doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, you always have your breath. And so really teaching my clients to breathe and to breathe properly. Most of us don't breathe properly, right? Most of us breathe only in our chest. And when we're doing that, we're triggering that sympathetic uh, nervous system. We're triggering that fight, flight, freeze, fawn response. And so if we can take those deep belly breaths, that like is the quickest thing that'll put us back into our parasympathetic and put us back into thriving um, versus surviving. So that's always something that I, that I teach my clients, um, to, to start paying attention to, like, cause you could be, you know, breathing in a survival way, like when you're doing the most mundane things. And if your body thinks that you're being chased by a lion, <laughs> when you're like making dinner, that's not, that's not good for your nervous system. Right. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, yeah. So how might a client present themselves that you would go towards breath work or somatic experiencing or tapping? Yeah, so I mean, a lot of it's very intuitive for me. Like I just get a lot of intuitive hits when I meet people. But, you know, when we're meeting, most of my work is over Zoom. Like I can sometimes see, uh, you know, like I'll watch them and I'll be like, you know, when you're, you know, notice that they're just breathing from their chest or, you know, like different things. And so I'll call it out. I'll just be like, you know, I want to pause you for a minute. Let's, let's take some deep breaths. Um, if I sense that they're getting overwhelmed, if I sense that, um, you know, there's agitation or they're like, you know, they're running a mile a minute or they're, you know, different things, you know, I want to, I want to kind of slow them down. Then I'm going to, I, I interrupt a lot, like in a, in a, in a, you know, appropriate way, of course, right. I'm always like, <laughs> can I just pause you for a second? Like, I want to hear what you have to say, but I'm noticing this about you. Let's take a couple deep breaths or let's, what would it be like to try a little bit of tapping right now? 
you know, before we move on, because when people get emotional, you know, I mean, emotions are really important, but there's no logic in emotion. So we can't really shift anything when you're in that emotional state. So then the, the, you know, the idea comes to like, okay, how can I help you move through this emotional state, not stop it, but move through it completely, but in a quick and safe way. So then we can get to the shifting. Because if you try to shift before you've moved through the feelings, like it's not going to work. I like that. It's almost with the model, how you can't start with the emotions. You have to start with your thoughts because otherwise, um, you, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a domino effect. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's like, you've got to feel the feeling and nobody wants to do that. We all want to skip the feeling part because it's uncomfortable, but if you just allowed yourself to feel it, then you'd be able to move on a lot quicker. (laughs) Do you think that life is different now than it was pre COVID in terms of the level of stress and the level of um, interventions that people are needing? Yes and no. You know what I mean? Like I, it's very interesting. I see this like kind of dichotomy going on because I see a lot of people who have really thrived in the pandemic, right? They've found ways like, you know, maybe the things that were stressing them out were, were having to go to work every day or having to commute or having to do these different things and not being able to be with their kids as much and like all this kind of stuff. And so for them, it's been like, this is great. But then you've got these other people who needed that structure they needed they needed their kid to be able to go to school they needed you know they have a job where they can't work from home and so like despite everything that's going on in the world too bad you got to show up anyway you know and financial things or maybe you don't have a job at all anymore because it's gone because of the pandemic you know maybe you're you lost your business or you know all these different things and so I don't know if it's any I don't know if it's truly more or if it's just like a (laughs) flip-flop (laughs) of like, you know, the people who were super stressed out before because of like all the hustle and bustle and like everything they had to do were able to slow down and now they feel better. But then the people who it was working for are like, this is not working for me anymore. (laughs) Um, But resources are are hard. You know, I do think that there's definitely, um, you know, a lack of access to especially mental health care, but just healthcare in general is, is, really hard in this country um you know in the u.s at least i know it's not the case everywhere but you know in the u.s it's it's difficult it always has been um having worked in the mental health field for 14 years like lack of access is not anything new like now people just are like paying attention like i worked in baltimore city schools for seven years like there's always been a lack of access for that population like this is not new stuff you know it's just now suddenly people are are actually like paying attention to it um and complaining about it and i think too a lot of more people are seeking the support because it's less taboo to do so than it used to be absolutely yeah i think there's less of a stigma for sure which is incredible um but then you know there's not enough people to to serve, you know, and, um, and, and therapists and, you know, other people who are in this like healing industry are burnt out too, because it's a lot, you know, like we're all human beings and like, it is a lot of work and it takes a lot out of us to do the work that we do. And so if people are feeling like they can't do it anymore, then now that's one less service provider available, you know? 
That brings up a great question. So what do you do as a service provider to um, kind of recover yourself and keep yourself from burnout? Yeah, so I do a lot of energetic production, uh, protection, I'm sorry. Um, I, you know, I do a lot of cleansing energetically for myself. I really do like practice a lot of energetic hygiene as somebody who is intuitive. Like I do have a really easy ability to tap into others' energetic fields and allow them into mine. And so I have to be very conscious of like making sure that I am doing, doing those things. And so I use crystals, I use meditation, I do different like visualization exercises to sort of clear my energy field on a regular basis. Um, you know, so that's a huge piece for me. The other piece has just been recognizing what my capacity is, you know, and not feeling guilty for having to say no to people, you know, I mean, I, I, there's no point in stretching myself thin and not being a hundred percent for my clients. And so if that means that I take less clients and that's what it means. If it means that I shift my containers and do things in a different way, that's what it means, you know, and, and really strengthening my boundaries and saying like, you know, this is what this container looks like. And, and I, I'm not doing any more than what I've said I'm going to do, if that makes sense. It does for sure. Yeah. Like I had a situation yesterday, actually. And I mean, I love her dearly. She's a great client, but she's in a program of mine and she DM me and was like asking for some more personalized advice. And I said, I'm sorry, like this, you know, this is not the work I do in a group program. You know, if you're interested in private coaching, I can send you the info for that, but you know, just being able to do that. And I think that just comes with experience and being confident in what you're offering and knowing your worth and knowing that like, you know, you're worthy of, of, shifting the container if you need, if they need to, or letting them know that this is the limit that you have for, for what they've signed up for. And a kind of related topic, the, you know, there was a conversation that was happening saying like the uh, mental health professionals should charge very little so that everybody has access. And my <laughs> response was, but then if they do that, they still have to make a living. And then you have to take on, instead of, you know, 20 people, you'd have to take on a hundred. And then is the quality of the service you're going to receive going to be the same? No, because that person is stretched so thin. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's such a, I don't know any other industry where people are like, you shouldn't charge anything for what you're doing. I mean, can you imagine like walking into your hairdresser and being like, I don't think you should charge me for this service. Right. Or even walking into like your, your doctor's office and being like, I don't think you should charge me for my copay or my appointment or whatever. Right. So it's like, why are we looking at people who are doing this work as less than? And I think a big part of that is because there's been this huge culture of that. And I think that the people who are doing this work have bought into this kind of martyr complex of like, I'm here to serve and that's it. But what I like to say is I'm here to serve and I deserve to earn my worth, right? Like I get to do both. It's not one or the other and it doesn't, and because I deserve my worth doesn't mean that I don't care about the work that I'm doing. I get to have both. Like there's no reason why I can't. Right. So what kind of modern day lifestyle aspects might trigger the body to hold on to negative energy that perhaps people wouldn't be as aware is happening? Mm -hmm. So like the about yeah. little T, yeah, you, mm -hmm. you know, that a big T that you're going to be having residual impact from something, but what kind of ongoing things 
might cause that to be stored in yet you may not realize it's happening. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like the, the bigger answer is I really think it could be anything because it depends on like the person. And I think different things can, can compound and create triggers for different people. But I think like getting more specific about it, I think a huge thing that I see, particularly with women, it happens to men as well, but I do really see it mostly with, with women is boundaries and lack of setting boundaries and people pleasing and feeling like we need everybody to like us and feeling like we can't speak our voice. We can't say our truth. Um, you know, feeling like we have to be the good girl. Right. Like, and, and I think that that takes such a toll and I see it in my clients who are coming to me, you know, they are so burnt out. They're so tired because they just keep saying yes to things that should be a no you know, and it's like, they don't feel safe enough to say no, they don't feel safe enough to say my plate is really full right now. Or my plate is, is exactly the way I want it to be. Like, it doesn't even have to be full. Like, I'm happy with my plate. No, thank you. And that's really difficult for people to do. That's interesting. That really parallels with what we were just talking about with having mm -hmm. appropriate boundaries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is there things that you find cannot be done remotely? And are there any other challenges with being remote or just what is most challenging with your profession? Yeah, I do think that there are certain situations in which being remote is not appropriate. Um, it's, it's really funny. If you had talked to me like maybe three or four years ago before the pandemic, I would have said that telehealth is a joke. Like I will never do therapy online. <laughs> like I was such a proponent of like, it doesn't work. This is not okay. Like whatever. Um, and I'm eating my words now because that's <laughs> all I do. <laughs> but you know, I mean, the, the pandemic really proved to me that like a lot more can be done online than I thought, you know, like there's a lot more connection. There's a lot more ability to do things. Um, but there are certain aspects that really, I think the in-person piece is important. I think when we're dealing with, um, you know, somebody who is maybe very vulnerable, very fragile, needs a lot of support. I don't know that the telehealth aspect is safe, right? If we're dealing with somebody who maybe is having like suicidal ideation or is having like, you know, really intense bouts of, of you know, panic attacks and like these different things where I think that maybe being in the same room with somebody would bring some safety and you'd be able to pick up on some of the severities of things to know like, do they need a higher level of care? Like, is this still appropriate? Um, the other piece is that, you know, I think, and this is when, isn't something that I would necessarily do in therapy, but there are therapeutic, um, you know, providers out there, body workers, right, who do like trauma-informed touch and trauma-informed massage. And, and we know for a lot of our trauma surviving, especially survivors of sexual abuse, touch can be very healing when it's done in a safe way. And it's a very important part of their healing because, you know, touch has been so dangerous and scary in the past. And so those are obviously things that, you know, and, and I've done this with some of my clients that I do have currently, I referred them to in-person body workers who specialize in this to help them, you know, to be able to do whatever type of body work is appropriate for them in, you know, given their circumstances, but that, that has to be done in person. Like there's no real remote way to do that. <laughs> so valid. 
It was interesting. Yeah. The first time I heard somebody say they were doing Reiki by remote, I was like, wait, what? I had that done in person. Yeah. How's that work? <laughs> I know, I know. And it's weird. It does work, you know, like I, I've had some remote sessions with Reiki and it can work, you know, but it's like, it, it really depends. Like some, for some people, they need that in-person connection um, in order for them to really feel the full effects and other people are able to, to get it um, remotely. So there, it, it really, I think is dependent on the person and what feels right for them. Um, and some people really thrive off of that like in-person energy. And if, if that's what you feel like you need, then absolutely you should be looking for somebody who's available in person for some of those things that you're looking for. Like don't, don't settle for, especially now that things are open again and there's the possibility. I mean, you know, we had a period of time where there wasn't an option, <laughs> but now there's the option. So it's like, if that's something you feel like you need, I, I encourage people to do that in-person work. I love that you're very open to treating it as a whole community and not trying to just save everybody for yourself kind of. Oh God, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not at all, not at all. I mean, that's the thing. And, and I think that that's been like a huge part of like, you know, just that whole community over competition. Like it's not a competition. There's enough for all of us. And, and that's the abundant mindset, right? And, you know, it's like when you're coming from a place of lack and scarcity, then that's when you want to keep everyone to yourself. But you know, I want what's best for everybody. And I know that me putting other people in a place where they're going to get what's best for them is also going to be a reward for me in some way. And so like, I, I do believe that like, you know, everything has its place. And sometimes when I'm referring somebody out to not be with me anymore, it's just making room for the, the person who needs to be with me right now to be able to come in, you know? And so it's like opening that door and letting them go, but knowing that that means like, the next person's coming in and it maybe this is somebody who really really needs to work with me and that person needs to work with somebody yeah you know, it's all it always works right. out the universe always figures it out <laughs> <laughs> just like with life coaching sometimes you yes. feel that you can take them to a certain point and then maybe they need to go deeper with the therapist or maybe they need to just go in a different direction with a different exactly type of coach yeah uh, yeah this has been a very powerful conversation i appreciate yeah, you great. being here do you have a mantra or affirmation you would like to leave us with? So something that I, you know, there's two things that I say to myself, like all the time, and it, it really has changed my life. Like since I started saying it, and the first is the better it gets, the better it gets. And that's Abraham Hicks always says that. So it's the better it gets, the better it gets. Right. And just like knowing that and like knowing that it can always get better. It doesn't have to get worse. Um, and the other one is you move and the universe follows right? So like, we have to go first, we have to move, we have to take the inspired action. And then the universe delivers. Um, we can't be sitting around waiting for, for, you know, you can't sit on your couch and hope that things are just going to fall on your lap. Like we do have to do something. We don't have to do too much, but we have to do something and whatever that inspired action may be. So those are the two things that I always say to myself and have really, I think, changed my life since I started really repeating that to myself on a daily basis. Those are definitely inspirational. So where can people find you if they want to learn more? Yeah, so they can find me on social media. Um, I'm Nazi Spurrier on social media. I have a free Facebook community. It's called Goddess Unleashed with Nazi Spurrier. They can request to be a part of that. I do a lot of my, uh, I do free master classes in there. I post different things. Um, usually they're the first to know about any programs or anything that I'm, I'm running. It's kind of my VIP. Um, 
And on Instagram, I am goddess unleashed. So it's just goddess underscore unleashed underscore. Um, so you can find me on there. And yeah, this has been so fun. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, I will definitely include all of those links in the show notes so that it makes Amazing. it easier. And I hope you have a beautiful day. Thank you. You too. Until next time, processed thoughts create desired results.